I'm talking. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Grady and Bischoff. We have in a few minutes some more UNLV basketball tickets to give away as they take on Wyoming tonight. A little bit later, Mountain West tournament tickets as well. So stay tuned. Golden Knights got a win last night against the Sharks. They snapped their small losing streak, got back into winning ways, held on to their playoff position for the time being. Um, I do have a suggestion, though, uh, for Robin Leonard. Uh, Yesterday or last night, he kind of took some shots at Frank Saravalli. Uh, Frank Saravalli had reported that Robin Leonard had a shoulder injury, was going to need sh- shoulder surgery at some point. Robin Leonard basically said, Frank is my doctor. You should ask him all questions about my health. Um, great press conference from Robin Leonard. You know what I need Robin Leonard to do? I need Robin Leonard to send out a tweet that is a picture of him playing goalie with a sword in his shoulder <laughs> with Cervelli on, on the blade. <laughs> Do you know how amazing that would be? That would be be incredible. That would be the best thing. That'd be ever. That'd be the best thing ever. Robin Leonard has done. Yeah. So Robin Leonard, please. He's done uh, a lot of great things. Robin Leonard graphics department. I don't know. Find somebody that can make that. Maybe he can make it. I don't know. Um, Let's do that. That would be a very good tweet for Robin Leonard to send out. A lot of interaction if he sends that tweet out. Oh, can you imagine the response (laughs) to that with the fan base, especially the flurry fans? Oh, it'd be phenomenal. It'd be great. Now, Golden Knights win last night. They beat the Sharks. The most dominant line on the ice, the Misfits. Misfit lines. Riley Smith scored twice. Uh, they had like a 90% Corsi or something like that. Um, also, if you go back to their moral victory over Colorado, uh, they were the primary line to draw the Nathan McKinnon uh, assignment, and they did a pretty good job against Nathan McKinnon the Avalanche. Were they, on the, uh, were they on the ice for the goal? Uh, I believe so. Okay. Uh, but it was McKinnon's first shot on goal of it the might entire have been his game. Only shot. Which is pretty good. I mean, you hold Nathan McKinnon to one shot on goal. Right. Even if it goes in, eh, you'll probably take that as a moral victory. Um, given the injuries that they have, right? Mark Stone is on long-term IR. Max Pacioretty is out at the moment. Even, you know, Jack Eichel, he's still, he's coming back from a neck injury. We're not really, don't know how what we're going to get from Jack Eichel. Should we be expecting this line, Riley Smith, William Carlson, Jonathan Marshall, should we be expecting that line to carry the Golden Knights offense? I- Two things, given how the top line, and because Dodonov has not been good at all, so you, he's pretty much a, you erase him from that line, and yeah, I think that they, I think they would expect him to carry him. I was surprised last night. Uh, the San Jose, um, the San Jose radio booth was right above us, and so I heard uh, they were fairly loud, so we heard every word they ever said. I was actually surprised. When at one point they said that Carlson and Brett Howden had the same amount of points, which was not a good thing for Carlson. <laughs> but then Carlson got a, an assist, and I yelled out, "Hey, he just went ahead of Brett Howden, nineteen to eighteen. Um, so Carlson hasn't been good either. But if there's a line, if you erase Dodonna from the top line, because I he just has done nothing, and he was bad again last night. What other line would you expect to be good in terms of trying yeah. to carry them? I mean, if you're trying to find offense from this team right now with no Patretti and Stone. The, the misfit line is probably the first place you look. You also should be looking at Petrangelo and Shea Theodore, right? The Golden Knights have two defensemen that they expect to be really right. good. So that you, you should be looking at them expecting something. Jack Eichel exists, right? I mean, Jack Eichel is, is very good or should be very good, right? Jack Eichel exists as an option there too. And outside of that, you know, you're looking at, can you get goals from... Keegan Colasar, like they did last night. Like they did right? last like night. You, you need some depth scoring. That fourth line right. that Pete DeBoer talked about the other day. 
But there is a level of you should expect that misfit line to be good. Like they they need them to be they the best be line in the majority of games they play. Obviously, when you play Colorado, they're probably not going to be the best line on the ice. But when you play like last night, when you play San Jose, you need that line to be the best line on the ice. Mm-hmm. And they were last night. And they were they were dominant last night and actually had the goals to back it up. A lot of times you'll have a team that or a line that's really good and they don't ever they score. They don't get any time with goals. It's, it's hockey and it's right. a dumb sport. You can play awesome for thirty minutes and not do anything. But Last night, they played really well, and they actually had the goals to back it up. And here's the other question. This is looking into the future here. Riley Smith, should the Golden Knights go out of their way to keep him? I don't think he comes back. I, that's been sort of I the assumption he here back. because he is an is unrestricted free agent. The Golden Knights are you know, over the salary cap, right? They're going to have to lose something off this roster. Right. He's been one of the obvious candidates. But what's, he he been, about, what's he, about $5 million? He's making five million right now. Um, I guess he makes a little bit more because he's, I mean he's he's been very good. Um, he's been very he's played well. Yeah, he had sixteen mean, goals and twenty assists. Right, had a good season. Uh, the gold the the March so Carlson Smith line has the best Corsi of any line the Golden Knights have used this season. They've they've been good. Right, nothing like amazing, but they've been good. I do wonder if there's an element of of can Riley Smith play his way into another contract with Vegas or is it already or is it already done? Right, if the Golden Knights already decided to move on because I mean. What if they, I mean, what if they're in the playoffs and Riley Smith is their leading scorer, right? Like if they make it to the Western Conference Finals and Riley Smith leads the team in goals and he's just all, like, he's been good this regular season. And if he's good in the postseason, I think there's there is a way for Riley Smith to play, to play his himself way, back into another deal, right? To where the Golden Knights say well, we we can't afford to lose this guy. They'd have to get rid of other people then, right? And that's and that's the interesting part is what the Golden Knights are going to do in the off season is and with Riley Smith because he's the obvious answer because he's an unrestricted free agent, but. Do you find a way to keep him? Like, can he be good enough that the Golden Knights? I'm have sure to go he could out play himself into him? another deal if he's leading him in the scoring in the playoffs. <laughs> right. And so, that's what I'm fascinated to see because Riley Smith, he's he's been good. Yeah, and he's not the high dollar big name like Jack Eichel or Mark Stone or Max Pacioretty, but he's a very important player to this team. And I'm I'm curious to see what they do with him in the offseason. How long and, does uh, Carlson have left? What has he got? Four he has more a lot, years? doesn't he? Yeah, is it, is it four more years? It, it, he signed a pretty long term deal. He, so it's, I mean, but that, and that's the other part of it is, do you believe in the, Hey, the misfit line and keeping them together and everything like that's an important part of this. Yeah, Carlson's, Carlson's not a, he's not a UFA till 2027. Right. That's a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And March so has two more years after this one. So is there a level of, Hey, we need to keep that beyond just Riley Smith. We need to keep that line, line together. together because it's, it's been a good line for the entirety of the franchise's existence, right? Like it's been a very good line. Do you look around and say, oh, wow, we need to keep Riley Smith? Because the other part, Riley Smith is 30 years old. This isn't, he's not 37, right? right? You're not right. signing a guy and, oh, wow, you're getting three bad years. Like, eventually age is going to catch up. If you sign him to a seven-year deal, right? right. That's probably not ideal. But I if don't he, think he's getting that. Right. But if if Riley Smith was, if you were able to sign him to three a two, to four? Or, two or three-year deal, right? I don't know. Open market, he probably can get more than that years-wise. Somebody's probably willing to throw five at him, right. I would guess. Uh, but yeah, if, if Riley Smith was willing to come back on a, say a three-year deal, right. That's probably worth it. If you can make it, if you can find the the room, right. Again, it's going to mean you lose some You're losing somebody. Um, I think you can make the obvious argument of Kenny Dodonov. Oh, I, he hasn't been good at all. Right. I mean, he has, I think Dodonov has a 10 team, no movement or no trade clause. So he's not, you can't completely just dump him wherever you want, but like, Right now, if I told you, hey, $5 million next year, you want Riley Smith or Kenny? No, you want Riley Smith. Yeah. So, like, I think there's there's room to to make those decisions, make those types of moves, potentially, uh, for the Golden Knights. And Riley Smith has been very good. I'm curious to see that, if he can do that. So, misfit line's got to carry him. Danny, what was your... 
What were your uh, the Golden Knights play how many games against bad teams this month? Uh, I believe they had 16 games total and only three of those games were against teams that are higher than them in the total NHL standings. Okay. So they play a lot of bad teams. Yes. This month. Um, Ottawa, Philly, people like that. Well, yeah, the only teams above them were uh, the Kings. Oh, well, uh, that's borderline. (laughs) Pittsburgh. Okay. Pittsburgh's good. Boston. And Boston. Yeah, I okay. think those were the only three, and two of them are at home. So, okay. with that in mind, the Misfit line should carry the Golden Knights. Majority of teams they play this month, that should be the best yeah. line on the ice. And they probably won't be as dominant as they were against the Sharks last night. But there should be a lot of games where those three are the best line. And those three effectively carry the Golden Knights to some wins, right? If they're going to play bad teams for a month here, that should be what we're talking yeah. about. That th- those three have a hot stretch here, and they're really good. And to be honest, if they're playing a whole bunch of bad teams, they should get some more Keegan Colasar goals too. Right? They should get yes. some more depth scoring from they the fourth get, line. That and Pete seems to love. And they should get some more Alex Petrangelo and Shea Theodore offense too. Shea Theodore's having one of his best offensive years from a point production wise. But th- this should be a month like we've talked about this team in the playoffs and how uh, you know how worried should they be about a playoff chase here. If they're playing bad teams for a month, basically, not only should the misfit line be playing well, they should be winning a lot. Yeah. They should be putting a catching LA and B putting some actual distance Pressure. between them. And I don't, I don't even care about Calgary. I just mean putting distance between them and the Edmonton and Anaheim and whoever the hell else in the Pacific right. could potentially catch them. They should be putting some distance there. Like that should be what the, at the end of this month, if it's that bad, the schedule is, we should be talking about. This team's in second place minimum in the Pacific, right? And Danny, their their playoff position is safe. Did you have a ticket? What do you mean? Did you play it? Oh, no, I didn't play it. Okay. Well, what? Play what? Over under, right? Yeah, I didn't play it. Oh. I was I was talking to you about this last night. What Tyler. was the what was the over under? It was over under total point total points that the Knights get in the month of March and it was at 20 and a half with 16 games, so a potential of 32 points. If they go 16 and 0. And they play that many bad teams. They play, they go, I think it's nine away games, seven home games. Well, the lenders better away from home. So but they, even more reason to bet it. They host all of the good teams, except for, I think, one or two. Like they play, mm-hmm. I believe it's at. They're at Pittsburgh. At Pittsburgh. Yeah. But they're home to the Kings and they're home. Well, they're home to Boston tomorrow night. Yeah. Yeah, they they should uh, should be over. If they're not over sixteen points this month, no twenty or twenty points this month in sixteen games. Well, they've already got two, so nineteen to go. Yeah. If they're not over that, if, if we're looking at the end of the month and they didn't pick up twenty points, we might be really talking about is this team making the is playoffs? It, yeah, they making the playoffs. Right? Like, mind they might be in the wild card battle yeah. at that point. Like if Edmonton catches Edmonton, might catch them in that instance, yeah. right? If Edmonton plays, they caught them last night for two yeah, hours. They put, they passed them up for two hours last night. <laughs> Did Connor McDavid take a screenshot at the standings? <laughs> we're like, look, guys, I told you we could do it. We're it. We're still behind the Kings. How'd that happen? But we can do it. How are the Kings in second? Ed, you were you were a year early on your prediction with I the know, Kings. By the I know. way, they'll blow it. Watch they're not that good. They'll, they'll miss the playoffs. They I mean, like be. we said, if, if you're the Knights, they wouldn't say it out loud, but you can start with 
someone like Calgary on the road where you get outscored seven to nothing each game, or you can start with the Kings on the road. <laughs> You're starting with the Kings on the road. You're giving yes. up home home ice advantage to go to the Kings. Yes, you absolutely are because eh, Calgary's a little Calgary actually good. Should actually be They're a good great. team. Yeah. These, these other teams in Pacific, like Edmonton has some potential because they've got high end talent. But like LA and there's there's no reason to think LA or Anaheim are actually here, actually legitimate. All right. Coming up next, Sam and Ash are going to join the show. But right now, we've got a couple more pairs of tickets for UNLV and Wyoming tonight. 702-364 is the phone number. We're going to take callers number two and three. If you're caller two or caller three, you'll win a pair of tickets to go see UNLV and Wyoming tonight. 702-364-1100. Callers number two and three. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff. Call the judge and call, get some fudge. Call the judge and get some fudge? On ESPN Las Vegas. SamandAshLaw.com, 702-820-1234. Do we have Sam and Ash today? I'm here. I don't know. Is Sam here? Sammy! I'm here. Hey, there you we go. do it. There you go. <laughs> all right. It's all four of us. So 702-820-1234 is the phone number, SamandAshLaw.com. Um, okay, I, I need your help because I made a prediction on the show earlier about this one. But the the old USFL is suing the new USFL. So there was a football league in the 80s called the United States Football League. Fox started up a new league this year that has the same name. They're even using some of the same team names from the 80s league and now some of the people were owners back in the 80s are suing fox uh and fox is arguing that hey they abandoned their trademarks because they've been defunct for almost three, 30 years i feel like fox is right that they haven't used this in 30 years that they can't claim trademarks to this anymore because it failed for them and now fox can bring it back i think you're right okay I'm- so i <laughs> So it's actually an interesting headline, but you're absolutely right. The old USFL had these trademarks to the league name and then the individual teams, those names were all trademarked. But with trademarks, you have to not only continue your registration with the USPTO office, but you also have to continue using them. And so I am very certain based on what I've seen, and I've looked it up (laughs) on the USPTO office, there are a lot of dead trademarks regarding this, and they all died in 86 when the, the league itself died. And so I don't think anyone was using them. And so Fox did the right thing. They went around, they looked to see if there was any use, if there were any active or live trademarks related to the old team names, the old league name, and they weren't. And so they said, look, we're going to go through with this. We're going to register new trademarks and we're going to start using them. And I think they're in the right. Boy, these owners haven't done much if they're suing now. <laughs> what have they done in later in their career if they're coming back to sue now? Well, the, yeah, I know. I I thought that too. I go, <laughs> what what are you doing? How bored are you or how desperate are you? Yes, but desperate. But the reality is if they want any chance of having financial rights to this, they have to do it now. And so if there is one owner that kept their their rights alive or there was one patent or trademark that was kept alive, they have to do this right now because if they sleep on it and they don't protect their arguable trademarks, they're gone forever. So you mentioned that, that most of these died uh, in 86 when the league uh, went away. I'm curious, does, does it matter if, if they all died in 86? Does it matter that it's like 30 years later versus if Fox had tried to do this in like 1988? Like, would it be a different conversation if it had just been two years removed? So, no, be, yeah, oh, go ahead. 
I was just going to say, I'm not a, a personal, I'm not a patent lawyer, but from my understanding, the critical thing is once the trademarks are abandoned and they go dead through the registration, you can still keep them if you use them. And so it really comes down not to time, it's a use. And so if no one was using these old trademarks, they're fully abandoned. The USFL, got to bring back minor league football leagues and somehow make it work, even though they fail all the time. Which oh, yeah. Seems like a great well, you idea. asked me if I even remembered the league. I said, I don't even remember We that talked league. about it last week, yeah. and you didn't remember <laughs> I, it well, right. last week. <laughs> well, Guys, didn't we have a, an alternate league recently? What was the, that? Uh, the AAF um, American. You also had the, U, the UFL, which actually Vegas won a, a title or two with Jim uh, Fassel as the coach. Well, that was like de- that was like a decade UFL. ago. Yeah, but like just like two years ago, we had the AAF. They brought yes. back. They, they created the AAF, and it lasted. And the XFL. We had two. I remember the XFL. And they recreated. both they both made it like a year. The AAF made it like seven weeks, and then <laughs> had to shut down because non NFL pro football doesn't actually work. Um, I have another interesting question, and this maybe not so much on the the law side, but just the kind of funny part of it. So the WNBA, uh, part of their rules is that teams cannot pay for charter flights or private planes or even first class upgrades for their players to fly. Their players have to fly coach because they're worried that there'd be a competitive advantage if one or two teams started doing this and the other teams couldn't afford to do it. Well, the New York Liberty, uh, they bought charter flights for their players. They, they said, whatever, we're doing it. The league ended up fining them half a million dollars. But according to a story in Sports Illustrated, they considered terminating the franchise because they bought their players' charter flights. Had they terminated the franchise, would the Liberty have been able to, like, do anything legally to get their team back? I, I mean, it's a, it comes down to a contract claim, right? So this is, they're going to litigate the terms of the contract that the owners of the team have with the league. And, and it, I guess there would be terms, I assume, ex- laid out exactly for... Uh, what happens if you violate certain uh, obligations and rules of of the league? And if tr- if terminating your um, your license, your ability, because I think it's technically a license that they give. It's something that can be taken back by the league, right? Ownership of a team to a particular owner can, under certain conditions, be withdrawn. So you know, it's there is a property right, but it's a limited property right. And and in that sense, yeah, it potentially could and so i mean the, the owner here i think it's the same owner of, as the nets that owns liberty and and he's a multi multi-billionaire I think he paid like four billion all in for the nets and for the arena there barclays center so he's got a lot of money so he's just going to pay the five hundred thousand dollar fine and call it good right that's what he's going to do right. <laughs> so uh, basically in their contract somewhere there might be a clause where it says hey you can't buy charter flights however it's spelled out and then there's a clause that says uh Either party that breaks this, the punishment uh, up to and including termination of franchise. Like that could be a clause in this agreement simply about buying charter flights for athletes. Yeah, I mean, as I understand it, the specific language and there's grounds for termination of the franchise for something like that. So it's a big deal. 
Well, and you think about it, guys, if if you they have these collective bargaining agreements and if someone is wealthy enough, like the owner here of the Liberty, to just say, yeah, give me my million dollar, five hundred thousand dollar fine, whatever it is, so I can and I'll give my players the advantage to win. Now, what is it worth? I mean, that guy's just going to spend all the money he can to give his team a greater advantage and win. And so that's exactly. where it becomes a problem. The five hundred grand to sigh here is like is like a milk bone to Rocky. Right. You know, it's like the equivalent. His ears perked. Yeah. At least he's not getting whacked in the head with a, in the studio anymore. Uh, I think he's recovered. Uh, yeah. I think he's recovered. You don't have to keep bringing it up, Ed. <laughs> I, have, uh, I have one for you. So, Cain Velasquez is the former UFC champion, uh, arrested on attempted murder. Um, uh, former fighters involved in the shooting in San Jose at 3 p.m. near a local high school recently. Um, arrested. I don't know yet. I don't think he's been in front of a judge. He was in jail. The other night so is this as simple as he goes in front uh please pl- gives a plea and gets bail you get bail on attempted murder well it all depends i feel like we've gone we we always talk about bail determinations go into financial ability whether you're a harm to society whether you're a risk and, and violent and you're potentially going to injure anyone else or if you're a flight risk so the judge would make that determination when he enters his plea whether or not to uh, allow bail and what the terms of bail would be so one of the there's been some additional reporting on this story where Kane Velasquez the two men that he shot at, uh, one of the men is accused of um, abusing a family member of Cain Velasquez, and the other man was the father of the man that's accused of abusing one of Cain Velasquez's family members. The idea of, like, you know, child abuse, child molestation here, one of the main sort of narratives is, okay, if if Cain Velasquez actually gets charged with a, attempted murder, which is what he was booked on here, and, like, if this actually were to go to a jury... Is it accurate to say that it's hard to find a jury that would actually find Cain Velasquez guilty if he was, in fact, shooting at people that abused a, a child in his family? No. Uh, and and uh, I'll tell you why. And I, I, you're going to – yes, you're going to get a lot of sympathy. Uh, but ultimately, the, there, are, there are elements of attempted murder that if these facts that are alleged here are true, uh, support a conviction. And so, you know, juries don't, I mean, you know, we hear about the rare occurrence of a jury completely going off the rails and basically nullifying law, but that, that's not going to, that's not going to happen here. I'm, I'm remembering, I don't remember how long, it was a few years ago, there was a lawyer, you know, a, a, a sophisticated professional who found out that somebody had molested his daughter and he found, like tracked the guy down, shot and killed him. And, uh, and and look, I mean, it wasn't self. Def- it wasn't the defense of his daughter. It was it was it just purely a retaliation. And and I I don't remember if it went to trial or if he pled out. But the the guy did some some time. He, he went to jail. Uh, and and it doesn't excuse you. And nobody likes a child molester. But um, but you you can't go out and vigilante justice. We don't like that either, right? Is that a detail that? Would that for sure make it into a court case? Like if this goes to court, like how how much proof does there have to be for that to make it into the court case to where, hey, Cain Velasquez was acting this way because he believed that guy had molested somebody in his family? That's a great question because they're going to get in, in, in motions in limiting. You, you do you do attack certain evidence. And, 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 and the, of course, the prosecutor 
will not want it admitted because it's a mitigating it's a it's a mitigating factor and, and weakens theoretically the prosecutor's case. Um, and and it's you know, but I I would imagine maybe Ashley disagrees with me. I would imagine that they do get it in because it will go to the of mind that he was in um, at the time that um, that that this happened. Um, but it also depends on if frame of mind matters and what they're actually ultimately going to charge him with and what what charges will end up going um, to forward to trial. And if 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 state of mind is is important and motive is important, then um, then then it'll you know that'll go to trial. But certainly lesser lesser charges like like involuntary manslaughter, I, I, you know, most jurisdictions they don't require a state of mind element. If that makes sense. Well, it is seven zero two eight two zero one two three four salmonashlaw dot com. Sam and Ash, I'm glad you're both here today. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Thanks, you guys. Oh, thanks for having thanks. us. Great to be yeah. with you. So, there Good to hear from you. Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, SamandAshLaw.com. Coming up next, Riley Herbst joins the show. It's the Press Box on ESPN 1100 and 100.9 FM. NASCAR is back in Las Vegas this weekend. And joining us now... Riley Herbst, he's got two top 10 finishes in the first two races of the Xfinity Series. He'll be in the Allsco Uniforms 300 out at Las Vegas Motor Speedway on Saturday. If you're not going out there, you can catch it on FS1. Good morning, Riley. Thank you so much for joining us today. Good morning. Thanks for having me. All right, so we've talked to Riley before, Las Vegas local. I, I don't remember asking you before, when you were growing up here, where did you race growing up? Like, do, are there places to race besides the Speedway around Vegas? Yeah, we did a lot of traveling um, when I was a kid growing up racing. Um, but there is a little short track outside the Speedway called uh, the Bull Ring. It's a little three-eighths mile paved oval. So I uh, grew up racing there, then obviously in Southern California, and then also in Arizona. All right, so we, between Ed and I, we know a lot about like kids that travel with their parents for whether it's baseball or hockey. But I have to imagine traveling for racing might be like even more intensive than any other sport. Yeah, they're like soccer moms on steroids, the dads are. It's kind of wild growing up, but when a bunch of eight-year-olds don't really know what they're doing, just having fun at the weekends, and the dads are all crazy and psycho. But uh, it was fun, and um, now I'm getting to enjoy the Xfinity Series. Now, how often would you race? Because I read a story recently where Kyle Busch says his kid's going to rush a race 60 times this year. He might be one and a half. He might be six. I'm not sure. <laughs> but he's no older than six, this kid, and he's already raced 60 times this year. Like, how much did you really race, like, as an eight-year-old? Yeah, I did not race 60 times <laughs> as an eight-year-old. Um, I probably raced more than 25 to 30 races a year, um, and we thought that was a lot. But the more seed time, the better. So it's cool to see Brexton and Kyle traveling across the country, <laughs> racing 80 times, 60 times a year. But uh, we are more in the low 20s or 30s. Uh, Riley Herbst with us. Um, all right, so two top ten finishes to start the year in the Xfinity Series. What's been the key for you so far? I just think consistency. Um, we had a really good run at Daytona with the top five and um, got to get out of the season with uh, some good points and went to Fontana and uh, followed it up with another top ten. So hopefully we can be a little bit better this weekend here in my hometown and um, try to get a victory. What's special about the hometown track to you other than being here? I just, it's another racetrack, what I tell people, but it's cool just to come home and see friends and family and get to race in front of your friends and family And because uh, we're gone 33 weeks of the year, and um, a few times we get to come back home to Las Vegas and race in front of friends. 
wait, is this week harder than most weeks because you do have friends and family that you've got to go see before you race? It's definitely a difficult challenge, I would say, balancing uh, the professional side of racing and also wanting to go see your friends and um, go to your favorite restaurants in the Valley and things like that. So um, it's definitely really important to compartmentalize things and uh, get down to business on Saturday. You joined KHI, yes? I did, yes. What, Kevin Harvick Incorporated, so yeah. uh, really looking forward to that opportunity. Uh, founded by uh, Kevin Harvick. What, t- tell us what they can do for your career now. It's more of a management firm and uh, try to help me elevate my um, on-track and off-track abilities um, to more companies um, looking for sponsorships and things I can uh, incorporate into my race car and my everyday life. Um, you raced in the truck series as well. How was racing back-to-back days in the same weekend? Uh, that's a lot of work uh, from race on Friday night and then turn around and racing Saturday day, but it's a lot of fun. Like I said earlier, anytime you can get more seat time, it's good in racing. So um, enjoyed racing in the truck series. And I think we got a couple more this year as well. What does, what does like just one race, like what does it do to your body? Are you somebody that like loses a lot of weight or something after a race? I get pretty uh, tired for sure. Um, lose a lot of water mass and uh, it's just really, really important to hydrate after each race to get ready for the next weekend or the next day's event. How would three straight be? Yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> when Kyle Busch does that, he's, he's very, very talented when he can do all three straight and win all three of them. That takes a lot of discipline and a lot of mental focus for sure. Riley Hurts with us. I did want to ask you, so b- before Daytona, NASCAR was at the Coliseum, and they raced on what was a quarter-mile track inside of the Coliseum. Mm-hmm. But what did you think of watching that race on such a short track? That was wild to watch um, NASCAR on the USC football field because um, us growing up as a USC fan and going to the games as a kid, I never thought NASCAR would be inside of that Coliseum. But it was so cool to see and um, so good for the sport, I think. Just hopefully we can get that fan base and get the city of L.A. behind NASCAR and uh, more fans attracted to the sport that we all love. Yeah, I was going to say that because there's stories out now that, you know, NASCAR's coming back. The pandemic obviously hurt everybody, but there's more and more fans now. TV ratings are doing well. Are those things important to really kind of bring, you know, you know, out of the mainstream people who might not have seen it but turn that on and say, hey, this is kind of cool. I wish they would do things like this more often. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I think that was kind of the goal of NASCAR and uh, the upper management is to, to bring more fans and younger fans into the sport and hopefully have them fall in love with it like uh, I did at an early age. Well, he is Riley Herbst, and again, he'll be racing in the 98 Monster Energy car in the Allsco Uniforms 300 out at Las Vegas Motor Speedway on Saturday. Already got two top tens in the Xfinity Series. Riley, thank you so much for joining us, and good luck on Saturday. Thanks, Riley. Thank you. Go Raiders. Take care. So, oh, there, there is you Riley go. Herbst. Raiders. Oh, of course, Las Vegas yeah. local. you got to adopt the Raiders at some point, Boy. don't you? That's usually it's go nights. That's true. Usually it's go nights. Oh, are you suggesting we have a shift here in the town? We, oh, well, the way the Knights have been playing of late, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I can see a shift right there. They won last night. Come on, oh, San Jose didn't count. Didn't it count. counts. It's a rivalry. It's supposed to be a rivalry, at least. Um, could you handle driving back-to-back weeks like that? Or no. back-to-back days like that? I'm thinking it'd be a nightmare. Okay, you're not talking about me personally as a driver. I mean, just the the, <laughs> the wear and tear on the body of the multiple no. hours in a car no. on, say, Friday, well, and then turn around again and do it on Saturday. And the... Key part to me, what he said was mental focus. The focus they need in that sport on every on every turn and every straightaway, and to not as close as they are drafting and trying not to crash, uh, even though a lot of them do. That's why. I mean, I 
I absolutely think I've always thought this for years that Kyle Busch is the most talented racer because he can race anything. But the day, the weeks he's done trucks, um, Xfinity, Xfinity and Cup, I, I mean that's that's insane. That's amazing. Is there? There's not a sport comparable in terms of having to be focused 100 percent not for of the that time. long. No chance. Because like literally every other sport. Yeah. You get a legitimate break. You get a break. You get an intermission. You get a halftime. No chance there's another sport like, where you have to be that mentally like focused. Like, I guess there's yellow flags, and you can, you know, don't have to yeah, be and quite you the pit, but You know, to, in. like, take a breath. But, I mean, I, I think this every time, and I watch a lot, of, a lot of NASCAR, and every time I watch those guys, I said, I can't believe, one, there's not more crashes, even though there are, not more spinouts, and the focus you must have on every lap for that long a race is amazing. How about Kyle Busch? Eh, Braxton will go 60 times this year. So, geez. <laughs> Who's taking him to all that, by the way? I think it's grandparents. Kyle Busch well, is yeah, actually Kyle Bush racing. Is out racing all the time. <laughs> I, uh, I, I used to bartend over on Eastern at a pool hall, and the owner, his both of his boys race, and they would be going at least twice, maybe twice a month, sometimes even three times a month, depending on where and how big the events are. Right. But, yeah, it's a lot. So Kyle Busch's son is going... Five and six times, and a he's month. like, and he's like winning a lot too. So obviously, I mean, he's, he better. His, his Let's dad's go, Kyle Bush, and he's six years old. Is Kyle Bush getting updates from his crew chief telling him, "All right, <laughs> Braxton spun out in turn four on lap ninety-seven. Exactly. He's not going to bring it home today." <laughs> like, watch Logano in front of you. Braxton just won. <laughs> Braxton has won three straight races all today. Yes, he's exactly. Raced three straight it's like times the chicken today. races. Just, yeah, never. They're stop. just going to keep racing. Never it. stop with the chicken races. All right. We have Mountain West basketball tickets to give away. Last giveaway of the day. We've given a lot of stuff away. But we've got tickets to the semifinals out at Thomas and Mac on March 11th. So if you want to go to the semifinals, hey, you think UNLV can win a game and get to the semis? 702-364-1100 is the phone number. we got a pair of tickets. You will be at the Mountain West basketball semifinals next week. 702-364-1100. We'll take caller number 11. It's the Press Box on ESPN 1100 and 100.9 FM. UNLV plays Wyoming tonight, 7.30 start, senior day. Um, there's like 17 guys that are eligible to be seniors, but almost all of them can also come back next year because of a COVID year. So A lot of managers also. There'll be a lot of people, uh, a lot of guys uh, um, honored tonight. Yeah. Find out who's a senior and who's not a senior. Yeah. Tonight. Well, Kevin uh, Kruger's making, he's having fun with that the other day because of COVID. He goes, I'm sure in 2023, I'm going to have a kid say, I'm a senior. Like, you know, he goes, he, goes, <laughs> he doesn't know if it will ever end because they all get their COVID year back. So, uh, Bryce Hamilton, didn't Kevin Kruger say yesterday he wasn't sure about Bryce Hamilton participating in senior night? Yeah, I checked and he will be participating. Okay. So he'll be out there. I was going to say, why wouldn't Kevin his Kruger mom know flowers. That? Uh, I don't know. I don't, okay. I don't, I think he was telling the truth. I think. Coaches, man, they're so locked into, like, preparation and scout and everything. I think there's a lot of stuff that they just say, yeah, you know, let the director of op worry about that. But don't you know if Bryce Hamilton's coming back or not? I feel like I think that's he knows. important. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's important to know. I think, he knows. I think he knows at least that. Okay. Whether or not he's participating yeah, yeah. in senior night, sure, maybe you don't know that. But I feel like you know if Bryce Hamilton's coming back. If not, that could be a little bit of an issue. Yeah. Um by the way, Saturday, I will be out at PT's Pub for the final road game of the year for Unobi. They're taking on New Mexico. So Saturday at PT's Pub, come out and watch the Running Rebels with us. It's the final time you can get entered to win beer for a year from Miller Lite. Non-sports related, very important question for you. How often 
do you watch uh, game shows on TV, Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune, and think, wow, these people are way smarter than me? Jeopardy only. Not Wheel of Fortune. You think those not are just way smarter? Okay. No, not you think way. those are just run of the mill average schmucks yeah, up there? Yeah, for the most part. How many times do you watch and think, "Wow, I'm way smarter than these people"? Um, Family Feud. Oh, Family Feud. Um, I'm way smarter than those people. Um, <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes Wheel of Fortune, and I know which one you're talking about. I would okay, have hold on. Be- that. Before we get to the Wheel of Fortune one, on Family Feud, could you do that with your family, like four family members? Could you go up there? Yes, there'd be a lot of sister-in-laws and 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 <laughs> and nephews and nieces involved. So my favorite part about Family Feud is it's obvious they tell them, hey, like no matter what one of your family members says, clap and say good answer. Right, right. Because in also if I was up there with my family and somebody in my family gave a some dumb answer, dumb answer, I would just stare them down and be like, you moron. <laughs> That is obviously not going to be up there, you idiot. We are not going to win $20,000 today because you're. I, like, no chance I could sit there and clap and say good answer for a clearly terrible answer. On Wheel of Fortune, though, somebody tweeted out the video from, beautiful. I, I think this beautiful. was yesterday's Wheel of Fortune. Um, the, the correct answer to this was another feather in your cap. And they had guessed every single letter on the puzzle. Except uh, they had the not guessed in. the I and in, the U in your, and the last word cap. They had the A. They did right. not have the C or the P. So it was pretty obvious another feather in your blank, right? right. That is pretty obvious that the last word was the only one they didn't have. The first lady guessed another feather in your hat. <laughs> Which is a reasonable saying to guess, but the problem is the way this game works, another and feather both have H's and yes, T's. Yes. So if it was hat, you would have already, already had you, hat. You'd have had the letters. Right. I think I can give her a little bit of a pass, even though it seems like an obvious thing, but a little bit of a pass for saying hat, even though you should have known the H and the T were already on the board. The problem is the next guy didn't try to solve the puzzle. He just guessed G. Can I have a G? And you hear Sajak, no, we don't have a G. A G. And then the third guy, I feel bad for this guy. Another feather in your gap. He spins and gets bankrupt. So the third guy doesn't get to guess. We go back to the first lady that guessed. And she guesses a P. And guess what? There's a P up there because the last word is cap. But that still doesn't clue her in. No. Because she guesses another feather in your lap. lap. <laughs> what? <laughs> not right. We go to the second guy. I don't even remember what the second guy did the second time. He did not no, get it again. The second guy got bankrupt and lose a turn. He, he never got a chance. No, no, that was the third guy that got bankrupt and lose a turn. Okay. Well, the, one, yeah, one guy never. The guy who guessed he G. He probably was just going The crazy. guy who guessed G, I have no idea what he did on the second turn, but he did not guess he it correctly. He got bankrupt. The guy and asked then, for G got bankrupt and then went to the first guy. And who, then it went to the other guy who lost a turn. So this guy has now watched these two fail to guess another feather in your cap twice. We go back to the woman again. She goes to solve and she gives us another feather in your map. <laughs> <laughs> what? 
And then we eventually get back to the guy who was bankrupt and lost a turn, and he finally gets to actually guess. And he says, C. And he, he gets a letter, and then he says, another feather in your cap. But this lady guessed another feather in your hat, another feather in your lap, lap. and another feather in your map, map. <laughs> before guessing cap. The worst part of it is that she, she knew. Like, she said hat. She understood that it was a feather in headwear, Right. right. But she, her mind could not go from hat to cap. Couldn't do it. She immediately went to lap and map. Like, either one of, like, she was just searching through the catalog of three-letter words that end in AP and could not come up. She's not cap. passing the Jeopardy test to get on Jeopardy. <laughs> I didn't, I mean, we only saw that clip. I told you I was going to go out on a limb and say whoever emerged the winner did not solve the final puzzle. You can t- tweet me if I'm wrong, but the final puzzle, usually, you know, you give so many letters and then... You have to solve it on the clue. I'm guessing if for whatever, and I can't believe she won the she won the game. But if she had, I would have bet my life and, well, against that she solved that puzzle. If the other guy kept spinning a bankrupt, she might have. Yes, exactly. If he just spun bankrupt, you imagine every that time. poor guy. He probably knew it, and he and he he looked so exasperated. He kept doing bankrupt, bankrupt. He's like, my God, just give me one chance here. Oh, God, I love when people look like idiots. It's amazing. It's incredible. It's why. It's why Steve Harvey's either the best or the worst game show host. Because if you say something stupid, he's going to let you know you yes, said something yes. stupid. Like Pat Sajak and Vanna White, they're not doing anything to... No, to, Vanna kept clapping. Yes, they're not doing she anything. She kept clapping during Like, it. they might give you a little bit of dry, like, sarcasm or something. They might throw a little bit in there, but they're not actually making you feel... Right. Steve Harvey will stop the show and, and call laugh you, you a moron. And, we'll, and he'll laugh at you. And then point at the board and get the big red X right. and then walk right. away from it. So, there you go. Don't be an idiot on a wheel of fortune or you will get made fun of relentlessly. Good show today. Come back tomorrow. We got a lot of more stuff to give away.